Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, February 6, 2020. This is episode 97097. We are closer and closer to 100, but there's no time to slow down now. I am so excited about this interview. I've been wanting to have this guy on for a long time. I've been looking up to him since I moved to Chicago about five years ago. His name is Danger Wayne, and he is known as the go-to guy when it comes to providing direct support right before the the headliner across venues in Chicago, including Tau, Prism, Spy Bar, Electric Hotel. This guy gets it. He's been direct support for Dead Mouse, Cascade, TSO, Green Velvet. Honestly, I need an entire hour to read all the names that he supported, but he knows what he's doing when it comes to feeling out a room. If you are a DJ that's one, trying to make a name for yourself in the city, two, how to prepare for big set lists, and three, how to read a room, turn it up and take out a pen and paper because this guy has all the experience in the world. Now, Eric is one of the most genuine, down-to-earth, and good guys that I've met here, and it was such a pleasure to be able to sit down with him and hear his story, what he's been up to these days, and of course, his goals for the future. So without further ado, guys, let's get into it right now, episode 97 with Danger Wayne. Danger Wayne, welcome to Sherman the Booth. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on, man. Excited to be here. I've been following you, like I said, before you got on. Long time since I got to Chicago, so that was... July 2015. You've been the guy for a long time here. And I know it's been about 10 years, right? Yeah. You told me nine years as a fucking paramedic. Yeah. You've been hustling. I want to get into that. But I just want to say first and foremost, I want to acknowledge you. You're the guy, right, that if you are from Chicago and you go out to any of the clubs for an after party, for a main headliner, for an underground event, you're that fucking guy with the mohawk that people are like, damn, dude, I see this guy all over the place and he always <laughs> fucking crushes it. That was like my first year in Chicago. Yeah. You were at the mid every time I went. I mean, pretty much anywhere I went. Yeah. And you've cemented yourself now as what I would say the guy. I'm a guy. You are a guy. What can I say? But you're the fucking guy, man. <laughs> like, you're the fucking guy. I've had a lot of great DJs on the show, whether they be really good scratch DJs or somebody like Tsunami, who's a really good technical house guy, or even, you know, he's a good open format DJ, but I've seen you play so many different types of sets, man, so. Yeah. I've, uh, I've become more and more versatile as time time went on. For, for sure. sure. What, what was like, when did, what did you first start playing? You said you were playing frat parties at Kappa Sig at IU? Yeah, uh, it actually starts... Before that, mm -hmm. um, I I got my first equipment when I was fifteen. Fifteen, um, yeah, shit. Yeah, uh, I used to go to uh, like like birthday parties and stuff at like the community center. Mm -hmm. I grew up in uh, Park Ridge, mm -hmm. and uh, like some of our like uh, friends' older brothers were like the DJs there, and like my friend and I would we were like basically like we can do that. <laughs> so, uh, obviously Classic. like, like we looked up to them and, and yeah. we, were, we were like, we could do that. So we took out a loan and, uh, bought some, uh, some old equipment and, uh, just got after we made flyers and handed them, handed them out on like the playground and like, <laughs> like 
playground. Holy yeah. shit, dude. Only in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Start started. Uh, Who's your friend? Uh, his name is Brian. He's not. He's not in the industry anymore. Yeah. Um, he's still still a best friend of mine. I was just with him uh, this past weekend. But shout out uh, Brian. Yeah. He knows the stories. <laughs> yeah. It was called uh, uh, Dance Floor Massacre. Oh shit, that, dude. That was our name. You little evil motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So we we would do like um, like private events, um, uh, birthday parties, and uh, mm-hmm. like bar mitzvahs and. Uh, like any like anything that we could you know get our hands on we basically like use like like our networks and then like our, our friends like parents networks and stuff mm-hmm. and uh yeah so it's i remember like our, our first gigs that that we did like we had to get driven like by my mom and our, our minivan <laughs> dude that's amazing yeah that's amazing so so, so they didn't that, have a license yeah no yeah <laughs> Brian got his license like shortly, uh, shortly after that. Yeah, yeah. In, in the beginning, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. We had to involve mom. Dude, so you were cradled to the grave. You bought the fucking equipment, speakers, DJ equipment. You got your own clients. You went there. You built it up. You took it down. You took it home. Yeah. That you really fucking loved it, man. Yeah. Um. I I feel like initially, like we were just doing it to be cool. Did you make money? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, nice. it, it was like like. We saw it as a job. Like we saw it as a way to make money. Right. Um, we didn't make that much money. Uh, because oh, anything's a lot when you're fifty. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's how that's how that initially started, and then that that equipment. Uh, even when we stopped like like taking on gigs and stuff, when we got into like high school, that equipment stayed at uh, Brian's house, mm-hmm. um, which is where we hung out like all the time, and uh, my friends would all play. Uh, play halo or xbox or whatever and i'd be in the background just uh DJ. messing around yeah that's awesome yeah and the, equi- the equipment we had was um it was like these old school uh dual deck cd players that like you couldn't do anything on them like it was literally like it was like <laughs> two little jog wheels yeah and like you could like cue and like set loops yeah and like and p- pitch blend and and that was it and then the mixer um the mixer i don't think there was any effects on the mixer no way yeah so so that that was my my first start with with djing was playing on that on that wow little box and i did it for like hours and hours like, loved it like every week yeah. you love that more than halo that says a lot yeah yeah <laughs> i loved halo yeah. yeah so were those were those older brothers were they like your first exposure to electronic music then um it wasn't even really like electronic it was just like a mix of of you know whatever was was popular then like a lot of pop music yeah um also also electronic music i remember that was when uh sandstorm was, was oh <laughs> shit god did that song change the world and it was actually old then but i remember like that was like <laughs> yeah that was like a go-to track like, yeah like we'd have like a dance floor going be like you think they're ready for sandstorm bro? <laughs> it was like that that or like the uh was, awesome. the song from uh the Blade soundtrack. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Yeah, Dance Floor Massacre. Yeah. Any mixtape still out there? I mean, no. You guys should do a back-to-back set or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I actually wish, I wish that I had like a recording of like god. what we sounded like. This sounds fucking <laughs> lit. <dude. laughs> it, was, it was probably it was probably just so terrible like that it would just be so entertaining to to listen to. Isn't that yeah. the best though? Like when you first get into this stuff, yeah, everything feels so new, and every new track you find, and every time you play a new set, you just feel so much more connected to it. Yeah, the passion as a whole. Yeah, yeah. 
definitely. That's amazing. So you did that. You're 16, 17. You continue DJing, getting better and better. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I kind of like put it aside. Like I, I wasn't like we weren't taking any any gigs or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like a horrible student in high school. I was kind of a bad kid. Like I was just <laughs> like a, I was like a, a class clown. I was I was popular. I played football until like junior year, and then I quit. Like I, I literally the way I quit, I just showed up to the game drunk in my regular clothes, and like my coach was like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I was like, <laughs> I I was just I I just didn't really care a lot yeah. Uh, yeah. about much when I was in in high school. Like I was just uh, wanted to have a good time. Like my parents tried to. You know, push me in the right direction, and yeah. um, God bless them. They're they were amazing, but I was kind of like a lost cause, like yeah. middle child syndrome and uh, Fuck. and all that. Um, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, but hey, I'm, I'm alive, and you're uh, good. I'm, I'm you're doing great. Person. Mom and dad, he's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You figured um, it out. Yeah, I, I <laughs> eventually. Got, yeah, yeah. Eventually, it took. It's it's been a long pr- process. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I, I knew that I didn't want to have like a, a regular job. Mm-hmm. I knew that um, I didn't want to sit behind a desk, uh, none of that. And that's like all all I knew at the time of like what what you could do with your life was mm-hmm. go to school, get a job. Right. I didn't know anything else. Yeah. So. You said middle, right? I know I met your younger brother. Yeah. Do you have an older sister? Or I brother? do. I do. I have an older sister. Okay. What well, what was she doing? Uh, she she was a good kid. She uh, <laughs> she went to uh, U of I. Okay. Um, and she's a nurse now. Wow. Yeah. Is that where the paramedic kind of came into play a little bit? No, not at all. Really? Yeah. Did so, she try and like be the older sister and be like, "Yo, what the fuck?" Yeah. She yeah she did that a lot. <laughs> but like that exactly yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've had to do that to my little brother too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So like I I I just stumbled upon like like firefighting and I thought that was gonna be. That was going to be what I was going to do because um, I was like, you know, I could do that. It's like a physical job. Yeah. Wouldn't be behind a desk. Right. And um, so I like, I just went after it. I went to, uh, I went to school for fire science. So it's basically like a fire science or a firefighting like degree. I did that. And uh, they told me like, you got to be, you got to be a paramedic if, if you want to be a firefighter. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And Jump. that's really like the barrier to entry, like for all firefighters. Um, yeah, now it kind of is. It's like, it's, it's, it's such a competitive, uh, industry to, yeah. to get into because it's, that. it's a really good job. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people like, like me that, you yeah. know, they, they don't know what they want to do or like a lot, or even, even more so there's people that really, really want to do it and you have to compete with them. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> fucking passionate motherfuckers. Yeah. 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 So I, um. I jumped through all the hoops. I got my paramedic license, and mm-hmm. f- first you get your EMT license. Started working right away on an ambulance. Loved it at first. It was like super exciting, uh, just doing, seeing a bunch of crazy shit, and like mm-hmm. experiencing like uh, things that normal people don't do, and like that's what I was all about. I just yeah. Wanted, it was, Were you even twenty one at that point? No, I was uh, eight, eighteen, I think. Jesus. Yeah, eighteen or nineteen. Got my paramedic license. Uh, started working as a paramedic, but th- like as soon as I got done with that school, like I was done with all my school, mm-hmm. and I was like, "All right, let's pick up DJing again, like yeah. as, as a as a hobby." Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I started putting out uh, started putting out mixes 
Sorry, let me turn this on silent. All good. Um, so you really had an interim, though. Yeah. Weren't playing gigs. Were you DJing, like, while you were in school? Um, not really. Um, maybe, I, I remember I, like, bought a controller at, at some point. I, maybe I was, like, messing around with that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I think that's what I started putting out mixes with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got, like, really good response, like, right away. Awesome. And, um, and meanwhile, I guess I should go back. Uh, meanwhile, I was collecting music like, like constantly. Yeah, I've I've always been like a huge collector, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I have I had, like had all this music stockpiled. I started putting on mixes, and people were loving them, like eating it up. Uh, started putting out mix CDs, like had them like pro- professionally made. You hear that, youngsters? CDs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's well, for real. Yeah, that's it, legit. Well, c- CDs were really big back then. Yeah, and dude. And that, that is actually how I start, like started falling in love with uh, dance music was through mix CDs mm-hmm. from um, from like like DJs like Mix and Mark and Alex Peace. Yeah. Like, Infinity was a huge mix CD DJ. Like huge. Like I have probably like twenty two of his. He's come up so many times for those mixes. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like famous. Yeah. Um, and I was dating a girl at the time who's, uh, she worked at a, a body jewelry place that sold all of those mixes. Oh shit. So like, I would just be like, hang out there and they had like turntables there too. So like I would, I would hang out there and like, yeah, just like be like in the back room and they'd have like all the CDs, like just like stacked up, like, oh, like be, being ready to like put into, into cases and I yeah. just take all of them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And it's like it's not like they would even care. Like they they cost like a quarter to make. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So like, that's where I started like really really getting into dance music. That was like the only source really. There was no like SoundCloud or mm-hmm. or like um, or like blogs. I I feel like weren't even that big back then. No. I also, I also didn't have a computer until I was like, in my twenties. So. So how were you? You were just keeping and holding physical copies of CDs yeah, and music. Yeah. And and I would. Uh, I would also even since I was a little kid, um, I would always spend all my money on CDs. Like I would, I would save all my money, like mowing lawns or whatever, and yeah. go to Best Buy and just uh, and just scoop up whatever CDs There's I wanted. So special about that, right? Yeah, it's our records. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 our generation's like gramophone records. Yeah, we go to Best Buy, we look at all. There'd be always a stack by itself, the new CDs, and you're yeah. like, oh, just Timberlake. <laughs> this rapper, that rapper, and then you go along, and it's A B C D E F, right? Yeah, I I totally relate with you there. Yeah, I, I still have uh, I have like towers like at, at my parents' house, <laughs> in my old bedroom. I have like towers of CDs, and yeah. I have like uh, even more uh, CDs like in like a a big uh, book, big CD book. Mm-hmm. Because God of, damn, I forgot about those. Yeah, we yeah. do the DVDs too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, the I think binders. I, I swear, I think I have one that's like a thousand. Like, like, like <laughs> Jesus! That, it's like, <laughs> like that. Dude, big. Keep those. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're they're going nowhere. Yeah, that my, could be profitable. My uh, shit. My it's a funny note. My parents like left my bedroom like kind of like as is. They like both my other siblings. <laughs> their bedrooms got turned into like guest rooms. Yeah, but mine is like the same <laughs> because, <laughs> because they're just like you never know. Yeah. <laughs> You never know. Well, that's this. hilarious. It's like a time capsule in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Are they still in the same house you grew up in then? Uh, yeah. Yeah, for the most part. I, I moved there when I was like 
or 12, but yeah. When you really became the guy you are. Yeah. That was the foundation. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. So did you have any mentors like during that time, like in regards to music, like who taught you to DJ? Uh, nobody. Like it you was, learned it. Yeah. It was literally just like, just like my friend and I just dicking around. Yeah. Yeah. What was your first like real club gig once you were 21? Cause you, you started doing the paramedics. What was the transition yeah. to like, all right, I can really do something with this. Um, I, I was trying to think about, I was trying to think about it. Cause like before I came here, I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, that, like I should probably know these things. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> I think it was like, uh, this place amp rock lounge. Um, and before that it was catacombs and then it became the drop. I don't know if you, yes. you know, the drop. Of course, in, dude. RIP. Yeah. Yeah. What a right. shout out Arthur. Right. Yeah. But yeah. The place that it was called what before the catacombs. It, well, it was called Amp Rock Lounge before it was a drop, and then before Amp Rock Lounge it was Catacombs, which I used to go to when I was like eighteen. Yeah, and it kind of feels like a catacomb in there. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they like it, that's that's why it looked how it looked is because it was that's originally catacombs, and it was like it was like uh, there was like cave drawings and stuff. Dude, like that like, makes complete I, sense. I mean, yeah, I didn't understand why it was called the drop, and I felt like I was walking into like fucking Universal Studios, yeah. like underground vibe. Yeah, um, but. Uh, I think I think that was the first one, and it was because uh, Gino Bartucci, who uh, I went to high school with him, and uh, he, he he was a few years older than me. Mm-hmm. I got in contact with him, and he was managing there. He he then became the manager at uh, Vertigo Sky Lounge. Yep. Uh, and now I I don't know if he's still involved in nightlife, um, but he owns a restaurant, uh, Bartucci's. But um, yeah. So I, I reached out to him and I set up my sister's birthday uh, there. Nice. And so like early on, I think I had I just knew like intuitively like the power of like bringing added value into the situation. Yes. You know when you're asking for something. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think I think I think that was that was one of the the first places I played, and I probably did a horrible job. But we had a bunch of people with us. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, not only did you get the gig, you promoted. Like, you yeah. did it all. Yeah. So that's kind of where the promoting aspects are. I mean, when you're a DJ promoting, like, they kind of go hand in hand. But you're, yeah. like, a, you have a business mindset yeah. behind your DJ brand. Right. With Syndicate, which we'll get into as well. But yeah. that was kind of the kickoff then, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that was, like, like an early start. And, um, you know, I was, I was hungry. I wanted to get gigs. And it's really hard. it was really hard to, you know, to break into it. Um, I was just uh, hanging out with friends, uh, partying, meeting people, uh, mm-hmm. growing my network, and I came across uh, who now is my uh, my brother-in-law, his best friend, this guy Phil. Mm-hmm. He was like, he's like, I want to you know start a promo company or like I want to get into nightlife. Like mm-hmm. I know some people. He's like, you're you're a good DJ. Like 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 we we all know the same people. Like, yeah. Like, like we should, you know, team up and, and do something together. Yeah. And so this company was started, uh, by Phil called, uh, Pure Soul Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, that was like how, how things like really got started. Cause there was actually some organization. Yep. He kind of acted like my manager. Nice. Um, I was happy to, to, to get whatever gig I could. Yeah. Uh, and then we both kind of like used our, our, our mutual network to, uh, to, to bring to the table and work out deals with like with like bars and uh, nice. eventually like small clubs lounges and then eventually we just kept building and building and building yeah and uh went up from there damn yeah. 
and all through that you're getting better at DJing through gigs practicing on your own yeah and you're working as a paramedic as well yeah pretty fucking busy man yeah but you were figuring shit out at an early age yeah so you didn't you didn't really have any connections it sounds like right like you really developed everything your whole network like you said is from you just going out being yourself DJing connecting yeah what was that like for you like trying to figure that all out just well, taking shots? Well, <laughs> I, I was, uh, yeah, I did a lot of that. Uh, but... <laughs> taking shots, like taking shots, yeah, for sure. But just like, hey, I'm Eric, how are you? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Probably at the same time. Yeah, well, I, I was, I'm very lucky that I have, um, my brother and sister are both like, are both like really close. My sister's two years older than me. My brother is two years younger. Okay. And like, we're like best friends. So, awesome. like, his best friends are my best friends. Her best friends are my best friends. Ah, oh, shit. And so, like, it's... That's great. Yeah, like, yeah. so it, it, it was super easy, I guess, to, like... You always had a party with you. To, yeah, to build to build a network. And I was always, like, the DJ, you know, that the, the DJ brother, like, to, to <laughs> like, my siblings' friends. Yeah. And then I had my own friends, too, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then once I teamed up with Phil... Like it was just very cohesive and mm-hmm. and like and unique, and it it seemed like very very easy at the time, um and and Phil would kind of act as, like I said, a, like a manager and he he would kind of set everything up yeah and uh, and he would make deals with like the the promoting and stuff I didn't want to have anything to do with it I was like you know I just want to be the DJ yeah I just want to I just want to play music and yeah uh, fair enough yeah and and um, over time though. You know, you sit in on enough meetings and oh, yeah. you start to learn how to uh, how to structure deals and how like promoting works and, mm-hmm. and you know like what what bars and venues like expect out of yeah. DJs and promoters and yeah. Um, so I learned a lot uh, like throughout that process. Really, to how to have success. Yeah. Because nowadays we got to do it all, right? Like, yeah. You can't just be a DJ. No. You can't just be a promoter. You got to know both sides of the business really yeah. cool that your family is involved like in a very genuine way yeah i have that feeling too like with my younger brother's friends i'm sherm the dj right they yeah. like they're they, they feel like my biggest fans sometimes they come to my shows they're front row some of them i don't even know they're like hey i'm ben's brother and i'm like hey how are you you know like yeah. ben told me you know you're gonna be djing so cool. yeah. I'm like wow god damn <laughs> this is awesome like i didn't even ask these people to come but i i know what you mean yeah that's great your, your family was always with you yeah and, and it was like we were like that was when I was like 21 or 22 I, I don't even think I started DJing in, in, in bars until I was 22 maybe um, just I don't know just because of the, the timing of everything sure. and then uh, of course so it, it, it took off like really fast from there it was just like like a, a recipe for you know for quick success you got the formula yeah, yeah, I, I, it all, it all, it all kind of came together. Um, so, yeah, like we just built it up, built it up, and uh, worked, got into the festival circuit, mm-hmm. like doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil, Phil set it up, and uh, we'd sell a, a ton of tickets, bring our, our combined network together, and it's awesome. Put me on uh, on stage at Spring Awakening for the first time. Yeah, what year is that? Twenty fourteen, I think. Now you play. Did you play main stage in Soldier Field? I did. Didn't you play like two to three feet? I remember 
flashback. I remember coming to Chicago and seeing your name, checking out your SoundCloud, and you fucking played the main stage Spring Week and you recorded the set. Yeah. And it was a fucking great set. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. This is incredible. And I remember two at the same time, which is interesting. Uh, Milk and Cooks was really blown up with like, they had a spring break mix. Mm -hmm. And they played too. And that was actually where I kind of first started discovering you, which was, that's awesome. What a great opportunity. You were already a great DJ then in fucking 2014 then. Yeah. And now you've got over a decade experience of DJing. You've played a lot of gigs. What keeps you coming back? What is it? Well, there's a lot of ups and downs that you know about. Yeah. Other people don't. Um, I'll correct you. I was a really good EDM DJ. Like, <laughs> okay. I, like, I could not play. I didn't play anything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times the places that I was playing, it was like so inappropriate. Like what I was, <laughs> what I was playing, but like the, the venue, exactly the venue owners and managers were just like, counting money in the back like oh, whatever like yeah <laughs> like, you're just playing fucking porter robinson and yeah. so like yeah. this is all i got baby yeah yeah that's amazing yeah but uh but yeah through the years um i guess like what what keeps me going is uh is just always evolving mm -hmm. and um always like finding new new ways to challenge myself yeah absolutely and like uh like a big part of that was like going into becoming like fully open format like yeah. I am now. Yeah. Um, some of like my most challenging sets now are like not the ones where there's like a thousand people in front of me and I'm playing like house or, or EDM or something. It's mm -hmm. like like a smaller like bar type venue where I have to play like like nineties hip hop for four hours. I totally agree. And <laughs> it's a bit daunting sometimes. Yeah, but but it, it, it keeps uh it keeps that fire burning I guess and mm -hmm. uh it, keeps you humble and it keeps you like makes you realize that there's there, there's always like more to learn and and always like more ways to grow mm -hmm. absolutely do you feel like sort of that timeline for you as well was there is a big edm boom right 2011 yeah. to 2014 2015 i don't know because when i first got to chicago there was a big overlap now i would say 70 percent maybe and that could be a little off is open format in chicago the venues right yeah I had to adjust as well. I had to learn how to be an open format DJ. The only way to learn to be an open format DJ is to play open format DJ sets at places. Yeah. You can practice in your room, bedroom festival <laughs> sets, and you can get it down. You can do hot cues. You can do mashups and all that shit, and you know your timing. But open format sets challenge you. Yeah. yeah. And they're always long. They're never like an hour. You don't play an hour open <laughs> format set. A promoter wants one guy, two guys, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah, so they can pay him a little bit less. A little bit less, <laughs> a little bit less. Yeah. But that goes into the music fucking, you know, digging for it. Yeah. The amount of other things that I found through that, and it gives me a sort of taste like there's a branch that I think is extending and combining. Luca and I talked about this. It's like open format house. Mm -hmm. People are more open to hearing a house drop rather than a whole house track or yeah. techno, or EDM, whatever it might be, if you can give them a little modern flair, sort of. Right. Do you feel yourself kind of combining those types of things? Like when I saw you play at Prism recently, you're dropping house, but you're dropping well-known tracks, too. Yeah. Kind of as the bridge and breaks and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've found that that is like, a, like the most valuable like way to play is, is, is kind of melding the, the two together mm -hmm. so that like everybody's yeah. happy. Like, when I just played at uh, Tao on Saturday, mm -hmm. like I was dropping like like the hip hop hits, yep. and then and then 
like adding builds and and just dropping into big EDM bangers. Yeah. And just do it over and over again. Yeah. Like, and, and yeah. Pe- people, I had people going nuts because <laughs> because um, and especially for like if you want to play at like a big nice venue like yeah. like a tower or a prism or it's like a bottle service driven venue yep. and and they have like even when they have like a big uh headliner like uh like cashmere on on, on saturday mm-hmm. um like only so many of that only a certain percentage of that crowd actually knows who cashmere is and, and so cares, cares, cares about their music so true so you have to take in everybody into account like you can't just be like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna dig so deep into my EDM folders and play like all this obscure like progressive like old Eric Prids or whatever yeah well actually that's a bad example because old Eric Prids is that always goes well yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you you have to take into account that uh, that there's a ton of people there like there's there's probably like out of all out of you know 20 tables there's probably like six of them that are filled with girls that are just you know out to get drunk and and they have no idea like who who the artist is or like what yeah. kind of music they're playing so yeah absolutely i think you said that very well right a dj is an extension of the business you're yeah. part of it we may we may not be you know danger wayne at prism nightclub.com but you're there representing and it's really important outside of maybe a, a, a Lollapalooza after party or something like that yeah. right like yeah we have to cater to the crowd yeah and i feel that i became a better dj once i started challenging myself to those open format sets and it kind of sounds like it's the same for you yeah um, yeah, and there was also like, like f- from like the beginning of my career, like when I was talking about how how I would kind of like populate my own crowd, I'd like basically bring my own crowd. So it was like, mm-hmm. it was it was like a gimme. Like it was just like, it, <laughs> like they weren't they they were all just like I know him. And yeah. Like so they're just you know going Wait, sorry for your friends. Yeah, and then yeah. and then uh, like. As as I got older, like like gradually, mm-hmm. um, that crowd just thins up because they get older. You know, they people start having kids and and or getting married and just it's crazy, just being old and tired. And <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to go out on Tuesdays yeah, anymore. Yeah, so so you have to rely on um, on strangers to to fill your dance floors. Yeah, and so you're like your uh, your your taste and your uh, your selections have to reflect that. You have to you have to take into account that. You know, you're you're dealing with. It's kind of like we were talking about going from uh, being a college DJ, yeah, to <laughs> to being like a, a, a Chicago DJ, yeah. yeah. I didn't have one open format song when I was a college. <laughs> DJ. I didn't even know what that was. I yeah. had rap edits, yeah. with an intro, eighty BPM. It was probably fucking dubstep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And yeah. It's a whole other thing, right? And I remember I I had to actually like go back to back with people that I knew that were really good open format DJs. And they'd be like, dude, you got radio edits, bro. Like, we got to set your game up. And then you start looking into BPM Supreme and Hype Dead and all this type of shit. Yeah. And there's a whole other fucking world out there. Yeah. I was I was really late to uh, to DJ Pools. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was, like, a few years ago. I start. I, like, I got, yeah. I got DJ City, like, like not that long ago. Dude. Like, like and, and I was already, like, doing open format. Like, yeah. But, uh it was just like a lot of like remixes that I would, that I would find or, mm-hmm. or, um, or I just like buy shit on iTunes. <laughs> and, Dude, I'm the same way. Yeah. That's where I got these radio edits from. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I, and then I discovered DJ pools for open format uh, music and I was like, Oh, it's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember listening to like open format DJs in the club and I'd be like, 
how are they doing this? Yeah, like, I know, right? <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. Didn't get it. Yeah. You're like, where the fuck did you get this shit? It's like, yeah. it's just an intro. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> intro? Intro? <laughs> Not mixing in key? <laughs> I, I, what? <laughs> I thought everybody DJs like Eric Prince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, with all these types of shows you've done, I mean, again, I've seen you play house, open format, club sets, festivals. Shout out Lost Land set, too. I mean... I don't know if you could be more diversified for fuck's sake. I also saw you play Underground Tech House at North Coast over the summer. Yeah. You played a fucking sick set. That yeah. NSC sound system on the Good Bus stage yeah. was dope. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. Shout out to the Good Bus team and everybody yes. involved with that. Afterlife 2, which we'll get into. I want to know, do you have a personal favorite style or your ideal Danger Wayne set? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely like, uh, like I love... I love anything house music. So yeah. like like pretty much anything in in the house music realm, mm -hmm. like I like I, I love playing it. And it depends on like like where I'm at also. Like yeah. um but uh I guess my, my ideal set is is like a hard tech house, like a, a high energy tech house, like chunky, percussive mm -hmm. and jacking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and, and I also like bass house elements like uh like phlegmatic flip, flip dogs and uh, okay, like Bolak and, and night, night, night bass, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like that. Um, a lot of power in that. I really like Dirty Bird too. I feel like so basic saying both of those. That's okay. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? It's good. They're the tacos are good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, I love, I love that sound. Like, who are some of your favorite house artists? Um, I love uh, Chris Lake. Is I, I have to mention him like first because he's been yeah. around for so long and he's people literally... don't realize how long he's been around. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, yeah. What percentage of the EDM community even knows that he made Boneless with Steve Aoki and Tujamo? Yeah, one percent. It goes. It goes a lot farther back, even. Like, True. I, like, like I, rem I remember listening to him like, like in, at the beginning, like he was just always turning out tracks, and it was totally different. Yeah. Um. But I mean, so so were like the trends back then, and just the, the sounds in general. Yeah. But he's like never done me wrong like even like some of my favorite <laughs> artists like I'll, I'll have these favorite artists and like they'll put out like a, like a track here and there and i'll just be like what happened to you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but chris like has never he's always he's been so consistent like throughout yeah. his entire career yeah and, he, and he's also and he's also evolved uh like with the changing of the times and the, and the trends and sounds and everything and i'd say he laid uh, the foundation for where we're at now yeah. too um the, the other uh producer that i'm obsessed with is uh taiki new light oh, um dude and, and it, so many people don't know about him they don't but and he's got the weirdest name yeah it's a night based thing yeah <laughs> yeah but bring but, up my brother again he showed me taiki like <laughs> that guy's fucking awesome yeah um and and he you uh like night -based, he produces, yeah 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 I, I guess i do um <laughs> it's, you, can, you can admit it first step is admitting <laughs> specifically him yeah uh, he, like he produces more than any other artist that i've encountered first of all like uh he like he puts out uh mixtapes and it's all his own music it'll be like it'll be like 22 tracks and uh i remember the first time i, I encountered this yeah um i started listening and i'm like oh my god this mix is so fire i knew i love this guy like this guy's a shit yeah listen to the whole thing i'm like i'm gonna get this whole track list <laughs> <laughs> and I, I look it up and it's all his tracks i was Holy like no shit. way i didn't know that yeah yeah like it was literally just like id 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 
and then like there'd be a few of like his releases that I recognize. Right. Uh, but like, yeah, I I know I know he's had he's had at least three of those of those mixes, and no other artist that I know of does that, or at least can do that and and keep someone's attention for a full hour. Like, damn, I didn't fucking know that. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to do some digging. I'm and, gonna hundred percent. It's it's so much unreleased stuff too, and like edits and like just like. He knows. He's he's one of those guys, right? That like he may never release twenty five of his yeah. best songs. Yeah, like, which is really interesting because in this day and age, it's like you need to put out quality and quantity. Yeah, right. But talent will always rise. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, and and he's never been one to like really like push his like brand like per se or like there's like there's, there's really like nothing to it. Like he's he's just <laughs> he's just churning out yeah tra- like traps yeah. It's crazy. Isn't um, he coming back to Spy Bar soon? Uh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see that. I, I opened for him last time that he played there. Oh. Oh. Well, is that a little bit of a guilty pleasure there for yeah. you? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Read your ex for it? Um, no. I played I played earlier in the night. I think uh, AO was direct support. Yeah, yeah, Um, I was actually disappointed in his set. Really? Yeah. Shit. Uh, I had really high expectations. I guess. <laughs> Dude, yeah. but, you were probably standing front row by yourself. Yeah. So I was like, "Hey, you're like, no, no. not now." What is this? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Put on one of your fucking mixes. I know what you mean. Um, well, I, I mean, I take it that he's probably just like, like a, a uber producer, like that. Literally, just locks himself in the studio, like because because right. of the, like the amount of productions he has, and he probably just doesn't, uh, either just doesn't put that much into a set or maybe you just had a bad day yeah 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 or maybe I had a bad day and, I, and I'm, I'm a snob you still respect him though <laughs> yeah yeah of course yeah um, uh, another artist Chris Lorenzo who's who's recently come into popularity but I've been following him forever same like uh, I like I, I'm I'm like obsessed with that uh, that like UK bass sound like that Dude. just like his his sound design is like um and I feel like he was doing it like so early on. Like he was, he was kind of like a pioneer mm-hmm. of that. And now it's kind of like common. It's true. And you know, Chris Lake even says, like, this guy's a better producer than me. Yeah. He is. Dude, Lorenzo. I didn't hear him say that, but he he has tweeted about it before and I saw him tweet recently that he got him into Ableton. I don't know what he was using before. I think he was using Logic and he was like, We're all fucked. <laughs> 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 it's true. Lorenzo has something about him. And you know he's a great DJ too. Yes, yes, I opened for him at primary. Nice. Oh shit! Yeah. Back in the day, then. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was a while ago. Holy shit! He shreds, and he's so tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His he's like a being when he comes into the fucking building. <laughs> he sweats too. Yeah. I I talked to him on uh, holy shit actually. He sweats. <laughs> Dude, he's so fucking sweaty. I was like, what's up, Chris Lorenzo? He's like, so British. I can't even fucking do his accent. Like, just like, you know, basically the South Dakota of England, right? Could barely understand him. His hand was soaking. I was like, damn, dude. Like, you fucking get it. He's like, I know, I gotta go to, I, I'm not even gonna do it. I'm, not, I'm gonna try. I'm not even gonna try. He's like, I just played a set. I got to my next one right now. He's like running. But he's just one of those guys that, like, he encompasses what loving DJing is all about and it's just loving the music you're playing yeah yeah and making you. like you can tell like he yeah. just he doesn't really give a shit to you know well maybe the pizza song with uh mm. <laughs> that song was kind of gimmicky but <laughs> yeah Annie Up yeah. yeah which is so cool and it's interesting because 
they talked a lot about as well, like individually Chris Lake and Chris Lorenzo, they're going to play different sets. And people think when they come to an Annie upset, it's going to be a back-to-back. But they're playing this whole different style of, God, you know, I don't want to call it. It's definitely not New Disco. It's not Tech House. It's not House. It's almost like New Tech House. It's something okay. that is is powerful in the club, is fun on your AirPods. Yeah. And it fucking bangs anyway. I don't think I've ever heard a set from them. Really? Yeah. I think I watched something on YouTube. It was like 20, 30 minutes or something. But they're both great DJs too. Yeah. Yeah. It's also hard to, to judge uh, artists on DJ sets because mm-hmm. if they are if they really love DJing, yeah. like some some of these artists will play a different set like every single night or, so or especially like based on like the venue. It's, yeah. Especially if it's like a special place or like what time of the night it is. Like mm-hmm. if it's like, you know, 6 a.m. versus 2 a.m. Like, yeah. it's going to be completely different. So true. Uh, especially the touring guys. Yeah. Have you noticed a lot just from maybe even people we know or DJs you've opened for that they're maybe known for being a better producer or DJ? Have you noticed maybe their sets are being more critiqued as before in the past two or three years? I feel like the community in electronic music is looking at DJs that are actually like a promoter for a festival, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I book a guy who's a really good producer and has millions of plays, but his sets just aren't there, mm-hmm. you know, there's something missing, right? Like, why am I paying so much for this guy when there's a guy who's maybe whatever, how much less, and his sets are always fucking good? Mm-hmm. I, Have you noticed that at all? Um, well, I forgot your question, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think it matters to to like the the, the talent buyer, yeah. or the person booking. Because, I'm curious about it, yeah, because I, I think. I think it's all based on ticket sales to, to yeah. them because because once whether or not that person has like like a great set, they're not gonna have a bad set like 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 nobody it no, will be no, bad sure no Absolutely. no huge artist is gonna have like a set that's gonna reflect poorly on the entire festival itself <laughs> true um, so I think that um, like most talent buyers or promoters they're 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 mostly focused on like who has the most hype like okay like th- I, that's why Pauly D gets gets paid fucking a hundred thousand dollars to to play he places. sells out ga tickets in yeah prison. that because it's, that's the that makes my point like like yeah. perfectly and and it's he's crazy yeah and, and he's uh not a good dj like he's he's okay <laughs> like he's but but he's like he's like somebody that you would pay like 300 bucks to 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 dj like if he wasn't poly d but he's got like, great energy yeah yeah and and it's i mean he brings tons of girls to come out to see him so that they yeah. can take um, selfies like yeah. off to the side so him. true god and that just goes into a deeper conversation which we could have another episode about which is like how important is a brand these days for a dj what does it mean to the booker right like you yeah. said who brings the most hype i mean yeah. you've had experience in this stuff you've booked plenty of people yeah you've booked anyone from fucking snoop dog to popular EDM artist what do you look for when you're actually doing this stuff what's your research process like um well it, it's kind of along those lines like you have to um obviously like well with afterlife like mm-hmm. we we have like the integrity of our brand that we that we need to keep sure um but uh yeah it's 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 a bunch of different things um like like put together as 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 one to to whether or not something will work right um like like what kind of venue where where is it yeah uh like what's our demographic yep uh how much money can we charge 
to be able to realistically like break even on a on a show. Yeah. Um, it's like it's it's all those things together, but but in the in the simplest form of it is is like, will this person sell tickets? Yeah. And therefore make the venue money. Yeah. And in in bottle service clubs, there's the added layer of can this person sell tables? Yeah. Um, which right. which becomes like a, a, a big part of it and it just further complicates things so you look at some people and say this is going to bring in a high roller yeah pretty much right yeah and that goes into again the location yeah geographic actual venue yeah hmm. i mean there's no secret that clubs make their money from alcohol sales right yeah so that's something you absolutely need to consider yeah and and the and bottle services is, is the premium priced alcohol yeah, it's like a five hundred percent margin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've sold bottles. I've made made bought bottles. I you know, once you're there, you're there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for example, like um, especially like the like I like I've been working primarily in in these like bottle service high end uh, nightclubs for the yeah. past for the past few years because they're just they tend to be the best the best venues to, to, to play it. Absolutely, they make money. Yeah, and um, yeah, some of the artists that they, that they that they book are, are the the booking fees are like are so astronomical that that they wouldn't even stand a chance if it weren't for bottle price. If they if, if they weren't banking on um, on ha- having some of these high rollers like come in and, and spend multiple thousands of dollars. Like they could they could sell out three times, but if they didn't have the GI tickets don't cover it. Yeah, right. That's just to fill the floor. Right. Hmm. And and I feel like uh I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about it to, to speculate, but I feel like for like talent agents, I feel like they kind of know this, and and that's why they're kind of like pushing limits. Like, like that club, they sell, they sell ten thousand dollar packages. Like, let's, let's mm. push the limit on on this. I think that's a safe inference, man. Yeah, for real. Like, if uh, let's look at Tiesto, right? He just announced a club tour. He's going to Tao. Yeah, he, it's club life, right? Yeah. You know goddamn well whoever is putting on that tour is looking at the place with the highest like table yeah. sales. Yeah. Tau in Chicago, mm-hmm. wherever in New York, probably all the Tau's and I don't know where he's going, but yeah, that's a really interesting business perspective. Yeah. That people don't think about. Right. Oh, why are you booking him there? Why are you booking him there? Like I like this club better. Well, this place doesn't have any tables. Yeah. <laughs> Straight yeah. up. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like a depressing thing to even discuss because it's it's, it is. it's like the grosser side of the business, I guess. It, yeah. It's, it's the furthest part, like away from the music. Yeah. But it's it's just you know something to take into consideration, I guess. Right, but there's a lot of method behind the madness too. I mean, when did you get involved with Afterlife? Shout out to everybody who does Afterlife. I've worked with you guys many times. It's all very well run. I did a lot with Annex. That was fun. Yeah. Sad yeah. that it went down, but yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, because um, you're still a managing partner, right? Yeah. Um, so I I think I got involved. Uh, this was when Pure Soul was still around. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at Do- at the old Dolphin uh, Club. Yeah. They started a. Uh, I think it was just a Saturday night. It was either there or or Grand Bar. I honestly cannot remember <laughs> which came first. I don't I don't remember which if Grand Bar was after Dolphin or before Dolphin. Yeah. But either way, I was. I think it was. I, I think Dolphin was before. Um, so I start. I started working with them uh, through like Phil met Bobby, mm-hmm. and then booked me to DJ mm-hmm. like as as a guest DJ, and then Bob. 
obviously I met Bobby and Eric and yeah. uh, we, we clicked right away. Um, and then, uh, and then I believe it moved to Grand Bar. Mm-hmm. I stuck around for that. Yeah. I was, I was a regular guest DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just became a, a, a regular in, in general, in general. Yeah. And, uh, um, I just got more and more involved and, uh, I just became a, a part of the team, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, and then came Annex where like that, that was, I was all in from the beginning. Like I yeah. was like from the, from the ground up, I was, I was at every single meeting, um, like consulting and, and helping out promoting. Um, I thought it was great, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really loved it. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. That building actually, um, did you see the news about the building? Like, no, what happened? so, so it, it, it was sold to Capital One. Uh, Capital One like bought out the building like the owner didn't care about it like the club was doing okay yeah um, like up until the end like it was only there for like a year or so yeah uh, but uh, the guy was like a businessman he didn't give a shit about the club he was never there he was never at any meetings he, he heard, was just yeah. he was just collecting checks and yeah uh, so Capital One came along and they offered him like a probably a, a, like an amazing amount of money and it's, it, it's and, a great piece of real estate yeah and, and he was like sure so he, he sold it and uh, all this time went by, and recently, Bobby uh, Di Maria just just posted an article saying that they pulled out of the deal, like <laughs> recently. Oh God! But yeah, so like that. I mean, it's gonna be vacant now. That <laughs> that both the bar and the uh, and, Jesus. and and the club up top, and the the shame of it is, is that that four a.m. five a.m. license is gone for good now. Yeah. So like, it, even if even if like now like like couldn't start if, over. yeah if we all like wanted to chip in and buy it ourselves or something mm-hmm. like you can't or you could but like it would be a, a 3 a.m license and it's just yeah. it wouldn't be and for those that don't know and correct me if i'm wrong it's a certain level of years as an actual owner of the building right like underground is a 5 a.m place how do you get to be a late night spot like why is is burton's on wells it, 5 a.m they're all um as far as I know, I don't know, like, I'm no expert, so I could be sure. wrong, but, um, as far as I know is they're all grandfathered. Like they don't, they don't issue those anymore. Yeah. Like they, they, they want to do away with them, but like, because yeah. those places are grandfathered, they can't just take them away. Yeah. 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 Um, Jesus. So it, it, they're, they're a dying breed and, uh, so comes the afters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> Alderman, <laughs> Mr. Alderman, I know you're a fan. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys have put on so many great events. I know you love the Snoop Dogg one. Yeah. <laughs> What's been some of your favorite afterlife events that you put on or participated in? Um, hmm. I guess uh, so. Recently, we did uh, we did a little a string of events at Underground, mm-hmm. and uh, oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, our 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 first one was uh, Roger Sanchez. Mm-hmm. And we put like so much work into it. We had all these obstacles, and uh, it was—it just seemed like the biggest pain in the ass. And um, and the night started off like, like, like we like really slow, mm-hmm. and there was like so much like hanging over it. Like basically, like the success of like the next you know uh, up, upcoming yeah. weeks. Yeah, and uh, it it ended up just getting slammed at like at like midnight. Nice. And, uh, and it was just it was such an amazing party and i remember like standing in the dj booth and like almost wanting to cry and <laughs> <laughs> we did it yeah yeah it was like it was one of those so that that definitely comes to mind um other than that uh i don't know 
all the successful ones. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You've had a lot of failures, right? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, a lot of uh, let's call them learning experiences. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what does Michael Jordan say? Right, like I don't lose, I learn. There you go. Yeah. 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 Michael Jordan listens too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, I know what it's all about. Like, I've only been doing events with the Lavender Group for a, you know, a little over a year now, and you fucking learn the hard way right you yeah. believe so hard in an event and how can people might come and this and that and fuck yeah it's it's a whole different level of understanding your target audience yeah you know um i equate it to uh the stock market kind of like yeah it's it's kind of like like strategic gambling like like yeah. booking an artist and like putting on an event yeah. um it goes back to like all those different factors that i that i like named earlier like mm-hmm. there's so many different things but you never really know and like sometimes you get lucky sometimes you get really unlucky like yeah. sometimes you could have all the right pieces in place like yeah. do all the right things and uh and it, just, it goes to shit also we're in chicago where you try and throw events in november through april and it could be the shittiest weather and that's yeah. an easy excuse for people right yeah yeah definitely yeah Sa- same thing with like the whole the whole month of january is is, is is hard especially because I do I do Sunday nights at Electric Hotel yeah and uh, yeah it, it gets hard but I, I try I try not to make any excuses like if somebody says it to me I'm like fuck that like, like yeah like, no like, you gotta be a fucking can, warrior yeah we're, we're gonna do this like we we just need to do this this and this like we're, yeah. there's things that that we could be doing that we're not so yeah let's, let's go absolutely I love that attitude man yeah it's fucking killer attitude. You yeah. have to. If you have anything less than that, then you're just you're gonna fail. Yeah, yeah. Like complacency equals death in in nightlife industry. Right. How many people have been in the nightlife industry and, and DJing go well? and, and DJing and uh, yeah, you know, building building a brand as an artist, etc. It's I, I talk about this every single time, and I know you're gonna relate, right? Like so many people in the beginning, like when you first started DJing, when you were playing fucking. Whatever it is, a birthday party, right? That was the fucking top for you at that point, right? Yeah. Like, yes, people yeah. are looking at me yeah. and I'm DJing and I'm playing the songs I want to play. Yeah. You maybe you got like you stopped for a little while, right? And you're like, I don't really need to do that. And then you hit there, but you didn't go down. You kept going up, and then a lot of people end up at this long plateau where they don't go up, but you have to just keep going, right? And that's in all all facets of life, really, but especially in the music industry and as a DJ, right? You hit your stride and you gotta keep going. And that's why it's important to not only enjoy like the um, the successes, but enjoy the journey. Yeah. As as cliche as as. It's so true though. <laughs> as, as Fuck that, as man. That is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you you have to um, like enjoy the, enjoy the process. I guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You do have to enjoy the process. Yeah. I mean, with all your learnings, you've had a lot of successes, right? I mean, some of the names you supported, man. Chris Lake, one of your favorites, right? Dead, Dead Mouse, Cascade, Mala, Tiesto, Zed, Velvet. The list goes on. I yeah. want to request the full list, by the way, just so I can put it up on my wall. It's like 60 people. Fuck! <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I was like, I let, let like, like, reduced it from, <laughs> from the You can sneak moment. a lot on there for sure. Yeah, yeah. From back in the day. You got Snoop Dogg on there, though? Uh... See, I might have forgot to even put that in there. You jackass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I want to know, like, take us into the mind of, of Danger Wayne, man. Like, you're an expert when it comes to building the energy. Yeah. I said in the beginning, you notice the guy because you understand that. You were talking about your prep for cashmere. What does it look like from 
maybe a week before to the day of you find out you've had a lot of different types of sets are you preparing a different playlist i'm i'm positive in that type of guy to go song to song no <laughs> no fucking way you probably never have no <laughs> what is what goes on inside your mind building up and also as you're going so uh i i've taken like the the long-term approach to organizing my music yep. so um the way i have my my flash drives organized is by the the type of venue okay and then uh it's it goes into subcategories of like the the time so okay. like um so like it'll, it'll be like uh like main room uh empty when there's nobody there <laughs> <laughs> main room like open yeah uh main room support okay uh handoff is a is a folder damn (laughs) so yeah that's got some gems in there (laughs) yeah yeah it does um and then uh close obviously sure um and then for 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 certain venues there's like there's like even it goes even deeper than that Mm -hmm. but um i i try to have uh i try to be ready for like for for any show like without any preparation yeah um and that's kind of like like what happened this saturday i i I had my folders ready to go which Mm -hmm. is which is nice, and then uh, just like during the week, like during my my quote unquote record box time, I'm, I'm always I'm always just opening them up, like seeing like what's stale, like what's like what needs to be added, and yeah, um, I just I keep everything. I'm just constantly like like I tend to it like it's a plant, like I'm it's just your, like well, trimming and and dude, it's your playbook, man. Yeah. like you're the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, um, but uh, usually uh, if if I get booked for for so and so. Uh, artists, I will uh, make sure I'm familiar with their music first of all. Yeah. Like, uh, I go through go through those playlists that I was talking about. Make sure that there's no songs in there that that they played, yeah. um, or that they have uh, produced. Yeah. Um, or on their record label or anything like within their realm. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I have so I have so much music that it, it's it's easy for me to work around like 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 anything. Yeah. So like I actually like like the process of reducing. The, yeah the because it's that's it cool just makes it makes it easier yeah um and then i don't have to think about it as much uh like when i'm playing i can just right. i can just focus on on looking out into the crowd right and seeing and seeing like which direction i should go yeah which direction i should go to next yeah um other than that like there's there's not there's not that much preparation i i, I put into uh mm-hmm. these things even for for big shows you've you've played so many big shows now you really have a good idea of what to expect sort of as yeah. well yeah that's huge i mean when i saw you play on new year's eve this year came out the fucking gate swinging baby yeah what folder was that uh it's a good question uh party jams probably <laughs> party jams Party jams current i loved it it was so much fun yeah i was watching from the back because i was like i was like all right, I, I gotta go but i was like ah no no you're just <laughs> i gotta i gotta fucking learn <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember you sending me the, the creepy instagram uh, shot yeah. from, from, from up on the mezzanine yeah i was watching you yeah i was standing it was a great view it was a fucking perfect view. If I really got in close, I could see the tracks. So I was like, I'm not <laughs> no, I don't need to do that. I, I do. I actually do that to. Uh, I do that to Luca all the time. Do at, you? At electric, electric hotel, <laughs> he's sitting like behind his shoulder. Yeah. And, like I'll just like zoom in on my phone and take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep it fun, man. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I, I I always just love acting guys of your caliber because there's a lot of DJs that are want to be in your position, right? Yeah what would be your advice to them for trying to get to where you're at uh for i think for for guys that are like just 
getting started, mm-hmm. um, you should find a way to bring extra value, kind of like what I alluded to earlier. Yeah. Um, whatever that means is, is, is up to you. The way that I did it was um, I was able to uh, like form a business relationship early on that, that allowed me to bring, bring people to, to, mm-hmm. to the places that I wanted to play. Um, so that, and uh, I think it's important to, to talk less and listen more and, and just, just in general, mm-hmm. uh, just, two ears on mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just observe the people around you. Like look at, uh, people that are more successful than you and, and try and try and f- figure out, you know, what the reasons why. Yeah. Um, and don't hate on other people, especially people that are more successful than you. Yeah. Because anything that you can hate on someone for can be learned from. Mm-hmm. Um, well said. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and hating just gets you absolutely nowhere. I, I see, I see like people complaining all the time on social media and I'm like, and like, I, like, I want to like, I want to tell them that, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not even going to touch this. No, don't like, get I, involved. I like, I'm, I'm too positive of, of a person. To, yeah. <laughs> like you, you touch that. And it's like your hand goes black, you know, it's like, you're diseased. Yeah. Yeah so many times I've been right there right like wanting to say something wanting to send a text wanting to be like really I don't think you should have said that but there's no reason to get involved yeah that's being the bigger man and in today's age man like social media saying nothing is sometimes better than saying something I'm very quiet you are on social media you are like I like I'll promote my gigs I'll like make jokes here and there like when when they come to me yeah (laughs) yeah I, I make sure that they're very friendly across the board nothing <laughs> political or like or anything like that that's good yeah uh, I'll, I'll voice my opinion via uh, the likes I give to holy oh, <laughs> dirty dog you know what's funny I've held off from liking certain things and I'm like you know, there's some fuckers out there looking at the likes right? <laughs> yeah why do we have to live in this world but yeah. it's how it goes yeah yeah seriously <laughs> voice your opinion through likes yeah it's true yeah it's true well I mean you started DJing about 10 years ago. I can't believe it's 2020 now. It's crazy. It still doesn't even feel like, even though January's flown by. I want to ask you, man, what's been the biggest thing you've seen change since you got into it? And what do you think the next decade holds even? Uh, it's a good question. A try. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what do I think has changed? What, yeah. Like, yeah. just over, like, the last 10 years? Yeah, how, you know, really just the biggest thing you've seen. Or experience. Well, I'll start. I'll start by talking about what I think is, like, where we're headed. Yeah. I've noticed that recently, uh, collaboration has become like more and more important mm-hmm. to the point where it's like basically essential. To, yeah. Like, to to find success, especially, especially as uh, as somebody beginning. And, and there's another piece of advice, I guess, is uh, find people that are in the same lane as you. Yeah. And. Uh, and reach out and, and work together and um, I don't really practice what I preach in that regard because I, I'm really bad at collaborating with people <laughs> and uh, but you have your groups you work with you yeah collaborate with them. yeah yeah and yeah so yeah I guess I guess I, ha- I, guess Dude, I have, you like, you do a great job of that you do <laughs> you really do you DJ at all these different places you work with good look Chicago you represent afterlife like you do a great job right for real um, but yeah I've, I've noticed that a lot like there's a lot of like uh, collectives and, mm-hmm. and and stuff uh, 
that are doing like really great things and yeah. and helping like giving people a leg up like where where normally they wouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, totally I'm not, agree. I'm not sure where. Uh, I'm trying to think of like wh- like what I would say the the music industry itself is like trending towards. Yeah, and the rise of festivals and super clubs. I mean, I look at radius right, and I think that future in the next 10 years is going to be whatever happens to festivals festivals will always be around Mm -hmm. but how much people want to go to them might change people want to dance more i think like my answer to the question and not to take it away from you but when we started getting into this it was the rise of edm like i talked about you know we had we had original don trap right that was a big thing right there that went up and down it's still there right we had big room that went up and down. We had progressive that went up and down. House was always going like this, mm-hmm. and now I'm noticing that there's going to be more trends, rhythm, all that sort of stuff too. Future bass, especially future house. It's been a lot of up and downs, and I see a lot more consistently. And that's what I brought up the open forum at house because rap and popular music will always be the most popular, and house is finally meeting it at this this axis. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I guess that I would agree with you. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and that's that's where. I've personally seen like my overall style like if you if you took an average of mm-hmm. all the music that I play and all the sets that I play yeah like that is that's it is is just like the the common ground between mm-hmm. uh, what's popular and what's familiar and yeah. and the underground that's slowly creeping its its way into uh, yeah. into popularity that was you said it better than me. you said it better than me i just teed you up man that was yeah, a fucking yeah. alley-oop right thank, there thank you <laughs> i mean you're right you're right like I, I that's what i see from the people i talk to from the people that we see and my friends too just like you they don't go out like they used to so i'm having to learn and adapt to who else is out there mm-hmm. there was a period of time when i was doing events and djing and trying to get people to come right and you get over that point where it's like why won't people come show yeah like, this is a big deal to me you know yeah. it's like dude they got their own lives like maybe they don't want to come yeah, right? right you deal with that and then you have to look at okay we live in chicago there's four million fucking people here and in the suburbs right like mm-hmm. what the fuck are they doing yeah how do i cater to them it's not just me and my friends that i went to high school and college with and i met here right mm-hmm. and so from doing that and experiencing that on my own i'm seeing like so many different trends going in this big direction and i think people are it's, everything's evening out all kind of together yeah in terms of like what events people are going to and that's why I brought up radius because I think it's gonna be really interesting to see a venue that also does tables that also has a second room you know they're gonna be doing house and techno while they might do a little way in another room that could be a really interesting collaboration just in terms of the crowds that come yeah it's got to be community focused I mean you said it as well like collaboration whether it be promoters and DJs that work together what about the people who are actually, let's just say, paying us, right? Yeah. Enabling us to continue to do this stuff. I'd like to see more collaboration in the community yeah. rather than us having to do everything. And I think that is happening. What do you mean? Or how... how... Like, I want to see people who love rap music talk with people who love house music. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Like, I want people to... Like, and I think that's the great thing about festivals is you can have the opportunity... Let's just use Lollapalooza... I can go see, you know, let's just say Alesso again, right? Or I can go see Bruno Mars, or I can meet all these people in the middle, and now these festivals are seeing other artists, like Chris Lake getting booked at Lollapalooza. I think the eyes of the community of the music fans are being open to what else is out there. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. It's becoming kind of like a melting pot. Yeah, exactly. 100%. In a, in a good way. Because I think um, I think it'll, you know, push limits of, of creativity mm-hmm. uh, more than more than stifle it. Yeah. Hopefully I'm correct in that because I could see negative Nancy uh, saying always. The, the opposite. There know? always will be. There's always going to be a hater. <laughs> yeah. But it, we have to look, like, especially from our business mindset, we have to look at where, where are the trends? How can we still be unique? whether it be in production, whether it be in events, because it's, it's there's so many different types of events, but also it all seems the same, you know, like mm-hmm. what's the difference between this club and that club? Is it the DJ that's playing? Is it the people that go? It's the people that go, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I think Spy Bar is kind of a, a uh, undefeatable business model, right? You go there knowing that there's going to be house and techno and great DJs. Right. And the people that go there go for that reason. Yeah. So... I see venues like that with that mindset going bigger. Yeah. So, well, only, well, time will tell, but I don't know. And there's so many DJs these days. How many, how long will that last? I mean, we had to buy CDs, right? Like, now yeah. you can illegally download Serato and illegally download all your fucking music. Yeah. I, your mom I, will buy you a controller at 16 years old. Yeah. It's fucking Christmas. Yeah. It's $200, dude, for a two-deck <laughs> mixer. They got motherfucking effects. You can get them for like $80. $80? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Um, There's no I, barrier to entry at all. Right. Right. Will there be another, like, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. Will there be another DJ boom? Whatever that might be. Yeah, or... or What's the next level? Like, yeah, true. Like, how do we weed out the people that aren't serious? Or like, yeah, like, like, or virtual reality and shit. Yeah. What might happen with that? I didn't need any weed edibles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what about virtual reality? <laughs> but it's fucking true, dude. Like, I saw this shit. I'm going to Miami this year to just go to the conference and learn about the future of music, basically. And I follow Danny Deal, who does a lot of research on the future of music, right? Mm-hmm. She was DJing, like, with not even a controller, right? It's like a touchpad. I've seen that. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. It, 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 can you DJ from my apartment to a crowd of a thousand people that are sitting there? And it's like, I love music, but I'm 45 years old now or something yeah. like that, right? <laughs> I can't go to Florida in TSO March. 2040. He's never going to die. I don't <laughs> yeah. even know if he's real. Yeah, that's, that's true. He might be an android. He could be. He could be. Sometimes when he talks... <laughs> hello <laughs> he's awesome though he's awesome jesus man but you gave great advice to younger djs so everybody here listening eric has really worked hard i want to acknowledge you again for that man thank you i know how much work you do i don't even know how much work you do the amount of work i see you do is more than enough to justify yourself as one of the best chicago djs so i hope you're proud of yourself and i hope you know that thank you so much don't be so humble you're the fucking man <laughs> all right seriously Shout out to everybody in Afterlife that you work with. You're a great representation of what it is. So I got a lot of love and respect for you guys. But last question I want to ask you, man. What is going on for 2020? What can we expect from you? 2020. um, I am going to be spending a lot more time producing. Okay. Um, Give me more PSA, dude. Yeah. (laughs) I love that track. I love that track. Yeah. um, I, I, I want to I want to start collaborating with people. Okay. Um, in in the production realm, because I've noticed that uh, me working by myself, I just have like I have I have horrible flow, and I'm like I'm a perfectionist. Like that, <laughs> it, like it, it's it's awful. But but 
like that song that that I actually released. I, I have so many songs that I that I haven't released. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like that song that I actually released, I was working with uh, my friend Bart, who kind of like pushed me through the process, and I still don't like it, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's out there. Yeah. Um. So so hopefully, more of that. Um. I'm I'm actually like blocking off chunks of time, like whereas before it was it was it wasn't as um, regimented. Like yeah. I was just I was like yeah when I get some free time I'll I'll produce and it it just never shows up. Well, when you're actually <laughs> busy, I mean, you were working. You live in a double life, is what it sounded like to me. I mean, yeah. The paramedic and DJing. Now yeah. you've got the time. Uh, actually, uh, that that song PSA, I I wrote on the ambulance. Are you serious? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus, what are you? <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. No. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy uh, well, shit! I, I put like the skeleton together and just the rough draft, and uh, uh, Bart and I finished it together. Talking about when you're feeling it, you're feeling it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be producing more. Um, I, I just, I understand that that's the only thing that's going to, that's going to take me, uh, that's going to give me sustained happiness uh, mm-hmm. by playing more of the shows that, that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. Um, like music-based venues and, and right. uh, gain, a, gain a, a new appreciation from people from original music and not just from, mm-hmm. from DJ sets. Dude, good for you, man. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited. I, I already thought you are a great producer, so it's, it's great to hear that you're taking that next step to commitment because it's fucking easy to get down on yourself, and I feel you on that workflow. Yeah. It's so easy just to be like, this is not the day, this is not the time, and that's the thing about music. If you're not mentally there, ready to produce, it's not going to be a good track. Yeah. And you're going to hate yourself more and hate the track more for coming back to you and be like, what the fuck was I? I was forcing this. Yeah. Yeah, but the what, what I've learned is... You kind of you kind of have to you have to put in put in the time yeah. and 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 uh, just punch away at it until the oh, muse man. appears to you. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's true too. It's a f- f- fucking frickle beast, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, but I other other than that, uh, I'm gonna be in in Vegas more. Yes, you were going out there a lot last year. Yeah, Paradiso. Uh, Parezo. sorry. Uh, and what's that guy's name? Uh, F3R? Yeah, Fair. Or Fair. Fernando. Fernando. Shout out to Fernando. He's, yeah, that's great, dude. Yeah. He, Fucking Vegas, dude. Yeah, he just won an award for the best best secret pool party. Yeah, I saw Vegas. that. <laughs> and it looks legit. Yeah, and it's just... What hotel is that at? It's on top of the Cromwell. It's, it's in Dre's. Dude. It's Dre's Beach Club. So it's like, it's a $100 million nightclub. It's insane. And they just play house music like all day dude vegas one one day a week but that's the parezo but all day party yeah wow and you're heavily involved yeah that's uh, great yeah good like, for you man fuck yeah yeah that could be because mix and mark i know you're a big fan of right you know him personally yeah he's a he's a good friend of mine now dude he's really fucking paved the way he's he's my biggest inspiration he is crushing it you know when i went to vegas i saw him direct support for diplo at XS, mm-hmm. the guy fucking crushed, but better set than Diplo. Yeah, he, he, yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> he did. Uh, he did. He, he's, not only is, is he inspiring because of his career path, but he's consistently, like, been my favorite DJ. Like, like I love his sets. Like, yeah. He, even, even now, like, when he, like, he comes out, he has his uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Everyone that comes out, I get super excited. Even though it's, like, 
bordering on like the commercial side, but it's kind of like what we were saying. And yeah. It, he like bridges that gap like perfectly. Like yeah. He, and and that's kind of like where I've been, where my mind has been like like musically as far as like DJ sets and yeah. taste and, and all that. And uh, dude, yeah, he's 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 doing it here. He's done it. Like he's 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 come so far. And and he's and he's also like not stopping either. Like he's <laughs> he's he's. Last time I talked to him, he was like, uh, just I was kind of like like congratulating him or just and, yeah. and he was like he's like man. I just I need to get, like get to the next level. Like I need to like he's so hungry and he's like he's like he wants to be like Diplo. He like he's he's fucking handing off the decks to them, dude. Yeah, him, and, Kygo, the Chainsmokers, yeah, R.O. Grime, everybody. Yeah. He just he headlined. Uh, yeah, he was on a fucking billboard. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, goals. Yeah, it's incredible. Looked good up there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that guy's like he doesn't age, so he's got no. That on, what the got, fuck, he dude? Has that on his side for sure. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> looks like Christ! He's Twenty-five, literally. Yeah, literally looks like he's twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, has changed his name three times. Still looks like he's younger than the first <laughs> fucking name when he started. Yeah. Well, wow, that's awesome. What a great inspiration, man. I could definitely see you going down that path. I already see you going down that path. So, dude, thanks for coming on. This has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much. So excited. Everybody, go follow Danger Wayne. You're going to see him at the clubs whether you like it or not. That's so right. He's fucking there, baby. That's right. Hell yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you.